0: and welcome back to Kind of Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host, and on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture Ah. musings. Guys, so much has happened since last episode. We had Midnights by Taylor Swift come out. We had a Harry music video. Nick Cannon's having another child. What's new? Okay, let's pause on Midnights for a second. I have to say, just to give a quick little review on it, I find it to be like a very solid album, and I'm definitely a girl who prefers Taylor's more mainstream pop-sounding albums more than the Evermores and the folklores of her repertoire, if you will. But usually there's a standout song for me. Like on Lover, Cornelia Street was a standout song. It's the first time I listened to it. I loved it hands down. I was like, I could listen to this a million times over. It made me feel something. On this album, there's a lot of songs that I find pretty solid and fine, but nothing that gets me really excited and amped and ready to go. Karma has somehow emerged as kind of a favorite, but now I feel like I've just kind of played it to death because I keep listening to it because it's I'm like trying to force it on myself as the favorite. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I feel like there's also a lot of differing opinions on this album as far as what favorite songs are. Like people, everyone I've talked to kind of has a different first choice. So I find that fascinating. Okay. Speaking of music back to Harry Styles music video, he did a music video for music for a sushi restaurant, which is one of my favorites off of his most recent album. And I I was delighted by this music video. People were so grossed out by it because in it, he plays this sort of squid man. Like he's half squid, half man. It's giving the 13th year on, you know, the Disney Channel original movie. And I just think it's hilarious. Like he's captured as a squid man. He has this full beard. And then they kind of like, Zhuzh him up, you know. They give him like little pearl necklaces, little clips. They cut his hair. They make him freshly shaven. He performs at the sushi restaurant and sings music. And one day he's singing the song and his voice kind of cracks. And he's like, Oh no, I'm going to be eaten. I'm going to be made into sushi. And it's sort of ambiguous what actually happens to him. But then it pans to the sign of the sushi restaurant and it's a neon light of him. Like sliced up as sushi. I just think it's so absurd and hilarious. And I I love when music videos just are a little bit unexpected. And I feel like it fits the tone of that particular song. I just loved it. It it delighted me. We also had Halloween happen. Um, I feel like the only thing people are really talking about is Heidi Klum dressed up as a worm. My personal favorite was Liz Gillies. And Ariana Grande dressed up as characters from Best in Show. You have to go look at it. Best in Show is a hilarious, hilarious movie. It's like a mockumentary, and Jennifer Coolidge is in it. Jane Lynch, and honestly, watching Liz play Jane Lynch's character, I'm just like, she is such a talented actress. I thought she absolutely killed it. So if you haven't seen their costume yet, go look at it, go look at it because. Theirs was probably my favorite. But of course, Brock Collier, who writes articles for The Cut, he got to go to Heidi Klum's Halloween party. His recounting of it was pretty funny. But my favorite part was that it was sponsored by Bailey's Irish Cream. And I think that's such an interesting choice for serving people tons of drinks, like feeding them Bailey's Irish Cream. I mean, it is basically my namesake, so I love this uh, spawn con for them. But I just worry about people's stomachs. <laughs> like it just seems like things could curdle in there you know and it also to me is much more of a Christmas drink so I wonder if this was Bailey's opportunity to be like look we're good at all times of year you do not need to save us for Christmas Eve they also showed these pictures of like bejeweled Bailey's s'mores flavored bottles and I really would like one of those for my house to put on display and then the little bottle gr- bottle girls were they just had the little band that you wear around your face when you get plastic surgery like if you get like a chin implant or something like this band that goes all the way up to the top and so when Brock asked one of them what they were she was like I don't know plastic surgery girl and I just I, I again I like when Hollywood's a little bit self-referential and I found that frankly you know very self-aware. Other exciting news that happened, two contestants that were in the Miss Grand International pageant, Miss Puerto Rico and Miss Argentina, got married. Uh, The cut wrote in a twist that would delight Hallmark viewers and make Miss Congeniality proud. I don't know. I think of the Hallmark viewers. Are they behind like gay marriage yet? I'm not. I'm not sure. Are, are they that progressive over there? I just. I'm not. I don't know. I'm. I'm not a big Hallmark gal. Um. But they competed against each other. Their names are Fabiola Valentin and Mariana Varela, and now they are married. And I thought that was just such an adorable, uplifting story. Speaking of Hallmark videos. Lindsay lohan's new song for her upcoming christmas rom-com drops tonight and it is jingle bell rock which is iconic because that is what they perform to on mean girls and now she's going to be singing her own version of it and frankly i can't wait a little bit of the audio from it was in the trailer for the movie but i want the full thing i hope there's a music video accompanying it i just hope they go all out and again very self-referential you know the joke they're in on it and i love that for her I also have to say I am one of those people when November 1st hits, I am in full Christmas mode. I am ready to have my house decorated. If I didn't have to wait till after Thanksgiving to get a real tree, I would have my tree up now. It's one of the main reasons I kind of want to get a fake tree just so I can pop that little puppy up and revel in the beauty that is Christmas decoration. And if anyone has a problem with that, I say try it because honestly, getting to be around Christmas decor and go through all of the pain of setting it up, you want more time to appreciate it, right? Like you're hauling all that shit out of your attic, out of your shed, out of wherever you put it. Like give yourself some time. If you put it up on December 1st, and then you take it down right after Christmas, that's barely any time, that time flies. That time of the year already goes so fast. So give yourself some time to appreciate it. I'm telling you, it puts me in an amazing mood. I just feel better about life in general when my Christmas decor is up. I do make Kinsey do it for me because I'm lazy. Um, So it's even better, like I come home one day and it's just up, you know? <laughs> I do help her on parts, but she's she's better at it. She, she has an eye for it and the patience for it that I sometimes do not have. That being said, I do like to continue watching scary movies up until like at least Thanksgiving because I feel like Halloween tends to sneak up on me and I like to watch scary movies at this time of year. I like them any time of year. I'm not like a big horror movie buff, but I I enjoy them and... I last night watched Barbarian, and that show was good. I had been seeing all over TikTok. It was good, and I was really glad because I just went into it completely blind. I had no idea what it was about. I had not seen a single trailer. I just literally seen TikToks of people listing it as one of their top horror movies of the year, and I enjoyed it start start to finish. It kept me engrossed the entire time. If you have any love of horror movies and i'd say it's a little bit more like it has horror elements but it also has like some kind of thriller elements some psych thriller things going on i'm sorry my little brother just called me to talk shit about um our other sister and i really wish i kept the recording going because that was hilarious he's like i just need to talk some shit really quick uh and if you have a sibling like you know how that goes like if especially when there's four of you like at least Two of you are always talking shit about the other one. And we, we get along great. We're very close, but, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> but yes, Barbarian, if you've watched it, let me know because I actually thought there was some really great symbolism in it. Again, I want you guys to go into, in it blind if you do decide to watch it, but I just had to give my little little plug for it right there. I also have to say about this time of year, I also enjoy it because of the amount of gift guides that come out. I'm such a sucker for gift guides. Gifting is high up on my love language the goop one has come out and i have not looked at it yet i was pretty underwhelmed with oprah's honestly i feel like in the past few years hers become kind of one note like it's a lot of cozy items which i always appreciate and like food items but i just want a little more variety i feel like they've become sort of repetitive and oprah's favorite things is like i mean that that shit is my jam like i always read it every year but i just i need her to spice it up a little bit With that being said, happy holiday season, and let's get into our first article of the day. Unfortunately, this first article makes me a little sad, especially because I just love Rihanna, and she normally can do no wrong in my book, and I don't believe this has been actually, actually confirmed, so take it with a grain of salt, but if this is true, I'm very baffled, because beyond anything else, it just seems like a strange Branding direction to go. All right, so to get into it, this article is called Why on Earth is Johnny Depp in the Fenty Show by Claire Lampin. So, Fenty is obviously Rihanna's clothing lingerie line. She's known for having these really amazing fashion shows that incorporate music and a lot of diverse, different body types and different women. So it's rumored that Johnny Depp is going to have like a significant role in the actual fashion show and be either the first or one of the first featured males to ever be in the fashion show. And as I'm sure we all recall, obviously Johnny was in the news very heavily this year because of his defamation suit against Amber Heard. And while I say this is a rumor, it is being reported by TMZ, which a lot of people might take as sort of like tabloid fodder. But I will say that it tends to be that TMZ does not report on things until they are pretty sure there's some legitimacy to it. Not saying they're always right or that everything they say is fact. I just think... They must be getting this from a pretty reliable source, or they wouldn't put it out there. So it says he'll make an appearance in Rihanna's Savage by Fenty, Volume 4 Runway Show, in a star moment. And it goes on to say that Rihanna and her team invited Johnny to be a part of it, and both sides were super excited to make it happen. And as the cut writes, I'm sure he is, but Rihanna really And Claire writes, my central question remains the same. Whether or not you believe Hurd's version of events, surely there are other artists out there who aren't texting their friends grisly jokes, in quotation marks, about drowning and emulating their exes. Why are so many people intent on bringing this one back? Why Rihanna? Why this guy? And that's sort of my question as well. Like, unless this is literally just a complete publicity grab, which in my mind, Rihanna is at such a level, she doesn't need to do kind of cheap stunts like this. So... unless some story is going to come out that really makes this make sense, I cannot get behind this decision. I just hope this is not true. I hope TMZ is incorrect in this assessment, or even that the backlash that this announcement is getting makes Fenty and Rihanna reconsider this decision. Because, I mean, I'm not a businesswoman, really, but I can't imagine this looks good for the brand that, like I said, has built its image on inclusivity and, you know, almost like feminism and just kind of women's empowerment to do something like this in literally the same year that this trial went down. It just does not read to me as something that makes any sense or even that they would really seriously consider. So I just wonder if this is something that's being put out by Depp's PR team or again by Fenty just to kind of stir up some press. Again, I don't think they need that, but you know, who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm really baffled by this decision and I, can't in any way see how it's a good idea. Okay, the next story you guys may be yeah. sick of, but I can't help it. I need a closure on this story. And this is my favorite sort of celebrity story. It's so much lighter than, you know, Johnny Depp potentially being yeah. in a Fenty fashion show. It's very low stakes to me, even though, as I said last episode, I think treating service people horribly is beyond disgusting. <laughs> But I just feel like this whole back and forth between Keith McNally of Balthazar, the restaurateur, and James Corden, it just is the gift that keeps on giving, and I'm kind of sad that it seems like the chapter on the story is closed, but I had to catch you guys up on what happened, okay? It says, James Corden decides he's sorry now by Claire Lampin. I also have to correct myself. Last episode when I was reading the notes that were in Keith McNally's Instagram about the hair and the food incident, it said, you know, table 26. And while this is diabolical, it happens. So I misunderstood. It was saying that the hair and the food is diabolical, not the table. I literally was like, what is the wrong with table 61? Like, why don't people want to sit at table 61? (laughs) So I'm glad that has been clarified for me. And I hope I've clarified that for you as well. Okay. So since that happened, James Corden did an interview with the New York Times. And the person who was interviewing him for The Times was sort of like, oh, I'm glad you're doing this interview because I thought you might back out considering all the shit that's gone gone on. And he's kind of just blows off. He's like, this is so petty. It's so below me. Blah, blah, blah. And then during the interview, the James Corden and the interviewer overhear a woman sending back eggs that she ordered. And then James Corden says, happens every day. It's happening in 55,000 restaurants as we speak. It's always about eggs. Can you imagine now if we just blasted her on Twitter? Would that be fair? That's my point. It's insane. People have been surmising that literally James Corden might have planted this woman. And honestly, I don't think he's above that. I could totally see him doing something like that. The timing is just too perfect because I can't tell you the last time I actually overheard someone sending back eggs. I know it does happen in eggs. Obviously, they always say like if you can cook eggs, that's the sign of a good chef. So I know they're a finicky thing to cook even though they seem very simple getting them exactly how people want them and people have very definitive ideas about how they want their eggs i get it i get all of that but it just seems too too convenient and as the cut points out it would be so wild to put that woman on blast because unlike james corden she is not a celebrity with 10.9 million twitter followers and his own network talk show um Yeah, there's that to consider. And then about the incident, he went on to say, I was there. I get it. I feel so zen about the whole thing because I think it's so silly. I just think it's beneath all of us. It's beneath you. It's certainly beneath your publication. Oh, man. When I tell you I read this and this just confirmed his disgusting behavior to me, the fact that he thinks this is beneath him and that it's beneath the New York Times, to me, tells me he's the type of person that does not believe that everyone should be treated equally and fairly. Like, it doesn't matter what position you hold in life or who the hell you are. You shouldn't be treated differently. Like, that's that's how I try to live my life. And the fact that he's like, ugh, it's just so beneath us just goes to show that he clearly puts himself on this pedestal that he doesn't view restaurant servers as being at. He also said in this interview that he had not done anything wrong on any level. So then Keith McNally goes in again. He posts another Instagram. It's titled Storm in a Restaurant Teacup. He says, I've no wish to kick a man when he's down, especially one who's worth $100 million. But when James Corden said in yesterday's New York Times that he hadn't done, quote, anything wrong on anything level, was he joking or was he denying being abusive to my servers? Whatever Corden meant, his implication was clear. He didn't do it. Although I didn't witness the incident, lots of my restaurant floor staff did. They had nothing to gain by lying. Corden did. I wish James Corden would live up to his almighty initials and come clean. Has in Jesus Christ, get it? If the supremely talented actor wants to Retrieve the respect he had from all his fans all four of them before this incident then he should at least admit he did wrong if he goes one step further and apologizes to the two servers he insulted i'll let him eat for free at balthazar for the next 10 years i also love that all of these posts are accompanied by unflattering lo-fi zoomed in pictures of james corden's face and this goes back to my point it's like yeah he's willing to apologize to keith mcnally but he's not willing to apologize to the people that he actually offended because again he doesn't them as being on his level so then James Corden goes on his show and he tries to explain this and I think he again did this horribly he could have done this in a funny way he could have done this in a more like just apologetic way instead of trying to actually justify his actions so he says when everybody's meals came my wife was given the food that she was allergic to he doesn't really go into this but I guess that means that she was allergic to egg white but not the yolk and I get it that like when you have, I, I totally respect people's allergies, but when you have allergies that are that particular, that if a strand of egg white is in your egg yolk omelet, do we think that maybe ordering an egg yolk omelet is like not the way to go? You know, maybe it's like, it's, it's tempting fate a little bit. So then he says, we sent it back. All was good. Her meal came wrong to the table the third time and the heat of the moment I made a A sarcastic, rude comment, right? About cooking it myself. And it's a comment I deeply regret. He denies any screaming, shouting, getting out of his chair, or using derogatory language, but now realizes that making an ungracious and unnecessary remark qualifies as doing something wrong. Well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. He says, I love that restaurant. I love the staff there. I hope I'm allowed in again one day so when I'm back in New York, I can go there and apologize in person, which is something I will absolutely do so then keith comes back again saying last word which spoiler alert is not his last word he says last night on his tv show james corden very graciously apologized for his outburst at balthazar it takes a real man to do this in the past i've behaved much worse than corden but wasn't man enough to apologize for this reason i'm going to lift the ban on corden and impose one on myself instead i'm going to ban myself from balthazar for two weeks people who live in glass houses dot 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 Oh, but again, like I said, he wasn't done. So this next one is last post on this non-story. I don't want to over-egg the pudding. I'm sure he meant that completely non-jokingly. But in Friday's London Times, Corden flip-flopped and told a massive lie again. So again, Corden's still talking about this, and this time to the London Times. And he said, I never screamed at anyone. I didn't shout, didn't call anyone a name or swear I used derogatory language. How is it remotely a thing when that person who posted the story wasn't even there? So first he's calling Keith McDowell as that person, not even acknowledging him by name. He's saying basically what he said again on his show, really not taking any sort of blame for what he did and just owning up to it, still trying to justify His behavior. And I feel like if he had just dealt with this in a mature way and owned up to it, this would not even be a story anymore. So back to Keith, he says, On second viewing, I found his TV confessional contrived and phony. The actor will say anything to save his bacon. In the scheme of things, my opinion means nothing. But after Friday's interview and a second look at his fraudulent confessional, I've given up on James Corden for good end of story so good Keith don't let that man back in your restaurant you should have just stopped at your first Instagram and held strong you didn't need to apologize to him again in my opinion I think you like you made your point and you should stick with it and I, I I hope he tries to come in Balthazar like ugh Okay, for a cuter story, we have Nick Kroll is ready for your dad jokes. The King of Puberty is Taking Fatherhood in Stride by Danielle Cohen. So Danielle gets to meet up with Nick Kroll at a little farmer's market in the city. He's wearing a graphic tee that says, don't panic, it's organic, to which he later confesses that his stylist came up with the t t-shirt and he wondered out loud if it was too on the nose for the meetup. I found that instantly endearing. And if you don't know who Nick Kroll is, he's kind of a weird-looking dude. Um, He's a comedian. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean that rudely. I just mean he has, like, a very distinctive face. Uh, He was one of the creators of Big Mouth. He had a small part in Don't Worry Darling. He actually plays Olivia Wilde's character's husband. Like many actors in that film, I felt like his role was wildly underutilized. His skill set was underutilized. Uh, He did also kiss Harry Styles in the movie, and apparently that was unplanned because it was this party scene that plays at the very beginning of the movie with all the couples just drinking, having a laugh, having a grand old time, and apparently that was the last uh, scene of the movie that was filmed, and Olivia just told them to go crazy, seem like they were in the rat pack, like have a good time, and Harry Styles just laid that kiss on Nick Kroll. I thought it was planned. It looked very planned in the movie, but props. Since these are the details I like to know about celebrities, I thought you might like to know what he picked up at the farmer's market. So he briefly considered a loaf of babka, which babka always hits, but he didn't go for that. He went for some apples, pre salami, and a hunk of smoked salmon whose spice level he was concerned about, but then the nice saleswoman told him that hot refers to the temperature that the salmon was smoked at and not its uh, heat temperature level of spice i'm very pleased that danielle asked him about you know all of the don't worry darling venice film fest drama so when she asks him about it he takes a deep breath and starts his sentence over several times he says it's so weird to be inside of something and then watch drama unfold around it and he goes on to say that he stayed largely removed from what he calls, quote, the eye of the storm at Venice, but has, quote, a tremendous amount of empathy for the people who did not have the experience I had because of everything going on around them. He says the most involved he got that weekend was during the premiere standing ovation when Styles, mimicking a scene from the first five minutes of Don't Worry Darling planted a big kiss on Kroll's lips. And that was the kiss in the movie I was just talking about. And he, you know, clarifies that both of those kisses were unplanned, but, you know, maybe Maybe Harry was planning them both times. So I've only seen Big Mouth here and there, but apparently, at the beginning, a big source of material for Big Mouth was Nick Kroll's own upbringing and kind of like his late-to-life puberty, if you will, and you know, building a family with his wife now and having a young kid. He says it's opened him up emotionally and artistically, and he has access to different emotions that he had before only experienced as a bystander, like when he would watch his siblings or his friends have kids. But he's not sure of how much this new life will make it into his work because he's very concerned about privacy. And he says, I'll tell you all day about shitting my pants, but you're never gonna see a picture of my child. And I definitely respect when celebrities want to keep their children's lives and identities private. I know like people like Kristen Cavallari, like lively, they are like very strict about that. And it's always really sad when, you know, the paparazzi will photograph them when they're with their kids because they just they shouldn't be dragged into it, you know. And parents should feel comfortable going out with their kids. And I had to share that more deep part because, again, I'm really just concerned with what, you know, Nick Kroll likes to buy at the farmer's market. So I also have to share this next part with you. So, as they're parting ways, Danielle and Nick, he's waiting on a text from his wife about whether he should buy horseradish. And he says, I'm kind of obsessed with it, but he's concerned about the transportation of it. He says, There's nothing like breaking a bottle of horseradish on the plane. And Daniel says, It's a little hard to believe that this is the same guy who opened his comedy special with a story about being pantsed at a party while talking to his crush. But maybe baby balance is something that comes with age. He says, starting a family later means I'm walking into it with eyes wide open. Krull says after making an executive decision to skip the horseradish stand, there are advantages to being a late bloomer. I mean, can you imagine breaking horseradish on a plane? I feel like that would be almost like a pepper spray to the eyes. Like, That shit is strong. I like horseradish too. Like, I especially like it in a cocktail sauce. I like my cocktail sauce very horseradishy. That's probably the one application where I like really get behind it. Um, But it does, it gives a flavor that you can't get much elsewhere. And on that note, it was only fitting that our blind item person of the day is Nick Kroll. As usual, this is from Crazy Days and Nights. Take it with a grain of salt. It is blind item, not journalism. All right. I thought this was juicy because I totally forgot these two had dated, and they dated for about two years. So I'm going to read it. See if you can guess who the woman in this is. The man is Nick Kroll. And this blind item was published on August 24th, 2015. It says another controlling relationship bites the dust. They were former co-stars. She was an A-list, mostly television actress who does mostly movies now after her show ended. She also is doing some producing of a great almost television show. Apparently his constant quote advising just wore her down to the point she couldn't take it any longer. And the two are over. So the woman in this is Amy Poehler. And she dated Nick Kroll for, like I said, two years. And it's funny because I was looking up articles from when they split and, you know, the insiders close to the couple said they broke up because it just couldn't work out with their schedules, which I always feel is such an easy out when you don't morally want to explain why you broke up. Like, I feel like celebrities use this all the time. They're just like, oh, our busy schedules, it just wasn't going to work out. And interestingly, Nick Kroll was Amy Poehler's first relationship after she divorced Will Arnett. They had been married for about nine years and this was you know the next one she jumped into and Nick Kroll is married to Lily Kwong they got married in 2020 and like I said they now have a child together as of recently and Amy Poehler as far as I know is still single and I remember being such a huge deal when and Will Arnett called it quits I swear they were kind of like a Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds I know not exactly on that same sort of level but they were like the funny version of them you know and I feel like people viewed them as like a really strong healthy relationship and a lot of people Seen, you know, a lot of people, I mean, like the general public who knows nothing about the ins and outs of their relationships, were, you know, shocked when they broke up. Like, to the point that happened in September 2012. I was just starting law school at that time, and I still, like, vividly remember hearing about them breaking up. Okay, for my legit shit of the day, this item was gifted to me from Merit, and I haven't used it for long enough to know if it's doing crazy things for my skin, but I wanted to share it with you guys because I. I, there's a couple pros to it that I just want to share. And I'm not being paid to like say any of this. It just was gifted to me for free. That was the only thing I got out of this deal. I'll always be upfront with you guys about that. So the item is called Great Skin Instant Glow Serum with Hyaluronic Acid and Niacinamide. And this is their first foray into skincare. I actually have not even tried their makeup yet, but no joke, before I even got this gifted to me, Elena had texted me about how great their like stick bronzers and uh, blushes are, and I want to buy it so badly, but I have so many blushes and bronzers that I love that I'm like, oh, I feel like I need to work my way through a couple of those first before I purchase another, but they are on my list to purchase next because I trust her recommendations. Um, But back to the serum, what I like about it is it's $38, and I think that's a pretty fair price point for a niacinamide and hyaluronic serum, because those are honestly pretty cheap ingredients and you're going to find them in a lot of skincare items. So there's nothing that like groundbreaking about those ingredients. Um, I'm like even ones i've recommended on here before have those ingredients in them Like I said they're very common and they're great and moisturizing for your skin But there's no point in spending like hundreds of dollars on a serum that has those ingredients in it Because they are just so common and accessible in the skincare industry But the packaging on this is so luxurious. It's in this glass bottle. It has this gold lid it just looks so gorgeous on your countertop and The texture of it's cool. It's kind of watery. You have to shake it before you use it. It almost looks like a dressing or something in the bottle because it separates a little bit. But once you shake it, it becomes completely mixed in. And then I like the concept that you use amount of pumps based on how dry your skin is. So you use one pump if it's not very dry and three if it is. So you know I'm always using three pumps. Um, And just... If you do end up trying it because you're on the search for like a nice like lightweight serum, let me know if you like it because hopefully it'll help like pump up your skin a little bit, leave it a little bit brighter, help with a little bit of tone. So I just want to give a shout out. Like thank you to Merit for sending that to me and I'm excited to keep using it. Thank you guys for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.